0: If you have your Bibles, amen, I'd like for you just to turn with me quickly to the book of Galatians, amen, probably no surprise to many of you, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22, amen, it is continuing on with the series of studies that we've begun a number of weeks ago about the fruit of the Spirit, amen, and uh, we're thankful, amen, that the Lord is here. Yes. And that God is helping us. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And that's where we concluded last Sunday morning, if you are with us. And then this, today, we're going to be talking about the next element in this lineup of the fruit of the Spirit. And that is the word meekness. And the word continues meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Amen. And it is uh, our responsibility to be uh, to crucify this flesh. Amen. To surrender it, to submit it unto the Lord. Amen. And if you have your Bibles. Turn over with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 25, and verse 9. And we'll have you be seated. Amen. Psalms, chapter 25, and verse number 9. And it says in the word of the Lord, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Amen. God bless you. you can be seated this morning. Uh, in this next statement or question, I'm going to actually ask for a little bit of participation and you to uh, contribute in for a moment here. Uh, what is meekness? You can shout out some answers to me. Uh, what is something that comes to your mind when you think of the word meekness? Gentle. Gentle. Humble. Humble. Anybody else? Surrendered. Surrendered. Amen. Those are all wonderful definitions and explanations. Um, oftentimes, it, it, would, it would be easy on, on the surface to think of that word meekness as somebody that is uh, timid, someone that is, uh, uh, has downcast eyes uh, and a shuffling walk, someone that is, it's easy to think of that as someone that's kind of uh, low in self-confidence, uh, typically people think of actions and attitudes of timidity and weakness when the word meekness is uh, is mentioned. Uh, I, I love the phrase that one preacher said here in this pulpit some years ago. He says, don't mistake meekness for weakness. Yes. Uh, meekness in the fruit of the Spirit could not be more opposite from timidity and weakness. Uh, meekness doesn't only tell me why I need to be gentle. I appreciate Brother Paul's, uh, offered explanation, uh, gentle, but it it also shows me how uh, to be gentle and meekness in its true definition does not mean does not mean weakness, but it actually means strength under control, All right. strength under control. The Old Testament definition and usage of the word meekness, uh, the he comes from the Hebrew word anva or anva, uh, and it was uh to it was referred to uh, humility referring to humility <laughs> and this <clears throat> this word basically refers to our meekness before the Lord uh, humility before the Lord it is an understanding that we are totally dependent upon him for our existence yeah. and our sustenance yeah. uh, it is dependence upon the Lord in the Old Testament it also encompasses our willingness to to submit to his will. Uh, the Bible talks about how that Moses was the meekest man on this earth. Yes. And Moses continually submitted to the will of God, right. even when he didn't understand everything. And as a result of that surrender before the Lord, uh, that particular individual as a leader was the very the strongest leader uh, in, in this world. Uh, He was someone that everybody writes books about how to how to lead. And and they look back on on the man Moses. But Moses was a meek man. He surrendered his will to the Lord. Uh, The following scriptures will help us to better understand meekness or gentleness before the Lord. Psalms 25 and verse 9 says, The meek will God guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his way. We read that a moment ago. Yeah. Psalms 147 and verse number six says, "The Lord lifts up the meek, yeah. but casts the wicked to the ground." Amen. God is looking for people that will exemplify meekness and have a gentleness about them, uh, and not. It doesn't mean that you're uh, castrated or you're uh, impotent, powerless individual. Or person, but what it means is you learn to have some restraint, you learn to have some gentleness and some uh, reliance upon the Lord. Yeah. The New Testament definition builds upon this uh, word meekness, and it's very intriguing. It comes from the Greek word prautes, which means a mildness, a gentle, soothing disposition, and by implication, humility. And in studying this particular term in the New Testament, uh, it it makes reference to the nature of a domesticated animal. Amen. So we're not we're not asking you to be animals. uh, But and it doesn't mean that people that are meat are animals. But the understanding of a domesticated animal uh, is such that you can look at a perhaps a wild dog. Next to a domesticated dog. Each one of them has the same amount of power and the same amount of vigor. But one uh, knows how to control that and knows how to direct it at the right moment, at the right time. And the other one is just a loose cannon just all over the place. Uh, You can look at uh, magazines and videos and find about the wild dogs and their pack of dogs. they're, They're scavengers. They're all over the place. Uh, and and there's no direction, there's no uh, leader in their life, and and you can compare it to maybe perhaps your your pit bull you have at home, uh, and it's controlled, it's domesticated. It has the same amount of power and potential, but it has learned to have some control. Uh, Animals can be strong and uncontrollable, but when they become domesticated, they do not lose their strength, but rather they learn to control it. And a person that has been filled with the Holy Ghost, that has allowed the Spirit of God to work in their lives. Uh, It doesn't mean that uh, you stop being strong as a person, being able to defend yourself and so on and so forth. But what it means is you learn to control your human nature and those instincts of your flesh. And I'm thankful today for the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we as a church... Our own it is teaching us to control our flesh and our nature, and it's teaching us to direct those impulses that we have in our flesh towards the things of God. Right. Amen. Therefore, the New Testament teaching refers to a meek and a mild spirit that we are to manifest when interacting with people. Yeah. All right. We are to exert, exemplify, A meek and a mild spirit when interacting with other people. We too can be strong and uncontrollable. But meekness is manifested in our lives. When it's manifested in our lives, we do not lose our strength, but we learn to control it. And the Spirit of God working in a person's life will lead that person to control their nature, to control their instincts, and and that that inner part, the inner recess of a man or a woman. Amen. The Spirit of God helps you to bite your tongue sometimes. The Spirit of God helps you to control your reactions. The Spirit of God, in, in, in in the fruit of the Spirit that is. Uh, The aspect meekness will help you to control your nature. The expression of meekness. The New Testament usage of the word meekness will show show us specific areas where we can manifest this aspect of gentleness. Because what we teach and preach here behind the pulpit is not just pie in the sky. It's not some abstract thing that it's good to know about but never apply it to your lives. Right, right. But as you study uh, you study these scriptures, you've you got to keep in mind that meekness does not mean weakness, but it means strength under control. Yeah, right. Meekness will cause good works because James chapter 3 and verse number 13 says, Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. With meekness of wisdom. Meekness will help you in doing good things and having good works. Because again, it is straight under control. It is learning when to step out, when to speak out, and when to hold back. And it's not being this wild dog, but it's having some domestication, some control uh, over your life, over your spirit, over your man, your individual. Our behavior and our conduct ought to be with meekness and with wisdom. Every single one of us as children of God, uh, the way that we live our lives, our behavior, uh, our attitude and our conduct, our speech ought to be with meekness and with wisdom. Amen. There's many times in the process of my life and my day when I'm speaking to people and I'm asking the Lord in my mind, God, help me to have the right words right now. Give me the wisdom that yes. I need. I could easily say what's on the, on the tip of my tongue and, and say what's in, in my heart, and how I really feel, but, but God, that's not going to help that person. Give me the wisdom, give me the meekness, help me to control the strength and, and the, 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 the feeling that I have on the inside and help me to say things the right way that you want me to say. Help me to exercise meekness and wisdom in my life. Meekness causes us to write speech. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 2. It says to speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers but gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. Amen. There should not be in the church people that just have a fighting spirit. You can't tell them anything. They want to fight you. Yeah. right. right. There should, if, if we really have the spirit of God. It should be OK. It doesn't mean that I'm any less of a person because I have to receive direction or counsel. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I, I'm whooped or yeah. or whatever you, term you want to use. But what it means is there is the spirit of God working in my life and it has brought about meekness. Yeah. It has allowed me as an individual to understand I'm no less of a man because I take direction from my pastor. Right. I'm no less of a woman because I take direction from my husband or, or from the man of God. Uh, it's, I, I still am a strong person, but yeah. I have some control over my life, over yeah. my spirit, because I have allowed the spirit of God to work in every area of my life, All right. in every area of my life. And we should always speak in a gentle and meek way to everyone. Amen. I'm thinking of one particular individual who I've heard uh, is, is just so rough all the time. And some people think, well, I'm just going to tell them how it is. They got to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. And and but you, you see in somebody's life that just speaks their mind all the time and, and doesn't know how to control themselves that. They have not really allowed the Spirit of God to work in their lives. Yes. All right, right. Because the Spirit of God is, is such a force that it is, it is always seeking to gather the people together, to, to join the people of God together. It's a unifying spirit, it's not a divisive spirit. There are times when God will speak and God will say, Separate yourself. From this thing or from that thing, but most of the time, God is wanting to unite and to strengthen and to gather the people of God. And if we lash out with divisiveness and, and a divisive tongue, and we speak our mind all the time because we think that it needs to be said uh, from our from our heart, the way that we feel it, and not learn to reign in our spirit and to have some control and some gentleness in our lives, we do damage to the body of Christ. We do harm to the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. And we should always speak in a gentle and a meek way to everybody. Meekness also helps us to receive the word. James chapter 1 and verse number 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. I said it a moment ago, it does not make you less of a man or less of a woman because you you, bend, you get on bended knee at an old-fashioned altar of repentance and you say, God, I, I'm giving myself to you. It doesn't make you less of a person. It actually strengthens you, makes you more of a person because it is dependent upon God and you have to have meekness in your life. It's got to be expressed through your life. It'll help you to receive the word. Of the Lord. And when we receive the word of God. Through teaching. We ought to receive it. In a spirit of meekness. Again. It doesn't mean that you're. You're nothing. And you're impotent. And powerless. And and you're, uh, you're, you're worth next to nothing because a man of God or uh, begins to preach and teach something and it hits you where, it, where where it needs to hit you. It doesn't mean that you're, you're this horrible person, but what it means uh, if you have the spirit of meekness is that you actually are strong, but you got it under control. You got that, uh, that flesh under yes. control. And, and now because the, the yes. meekness of God is working in my life, I can receive the preaching and the teaching in my life, and it doesn't mean that I'm less of a person. But what it means is I've learned to control my nature and my flesh, because I've allowed the Spirit of God to work in my life. Praise the Lord. I've allowed it to work in my life. That's right. Meekness strengthens our marriages. Yes. Someone say, Amen. Amen. Meekness strengthens our marriages. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. Through verse number 4. It says, Likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may be, they also may without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of, plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. The world would quickly tell you that if you have a meek and a quiet spirit in your marriage relationship, that you are under a harsh dictator of a husband or a dictator of a woman, the world would say, if you got a meek and a quiet spirit, uh, you're not speaking up against everything you need to speak up against. The world would tell you a meek and a quiet spirit in a woman or in a, in a man uh, it, it is it is a sign of weakness. But in the spirit, in the the word of God, a meek and a quiet spirit is a beautiful ornament that you have upon your life. And it is so powerful that it will help you to win an unsaved spouse to the Lord. Because they see this this, uh, person that I'm married to, uh, they're not so quick to argue and to fight. But they they exemplify such self-control and such meekness and gentleness and quiet spirit uh, that... I need, the Lord. and they've got something of great, great value, and that's what we see in the Word of the Lord, which is in the sight of God of great price. God sees it and says that is so beautiful, that is such valuable, a valuable trait that that person has—a meek and a quiet spirit. Right? You could go back and not in my notes, but I think it's in the Book of Proverbs It talks about. Uh, being in the house of a contentious woman. How many remember that scripture? Uh, being in the house of a contentious woman. You, you, you can't get far enough away from that type of person. That's just contentious. They, they'll follow you. They'll, they'll text you all down the road. They'll, they'll, they'll call you. They'll do all sorts of things, and they just want to fight. Yeah. Nobody wants to be around that kind of person. Just leave me alone. Just want some peace and quiet. But a meek and quiet spirit will win the heart of a person that's not living for the Lord. It'll win them to the Lord. You say, man, I've said some mean things to my husband or to my wife and they always respond with such sweetness that it just shames me. It brings shame to me. and I feel so bad. And then they're going to say, what is it that you have? Maybe I need to give my heart to God. Isn't that the ultimate reason that we're we're here to win others to the Lord? Yes. And we accomplish that with some control in our lives. We're not contentious and and fighting and, and angry, but there is meekness. There's control, there's strength under control in our lives. It is important that a spirit of gentleness and meekness be portrayed in our marriages. All the married people say, "Amen." Amen. Meekness helps us to forgive. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, yes. long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Again, Meekness is strength under control. Be, because I have to forgive means that I' I'm, I'm, I'm forfeiting the right to be to be right and now I'm admitting that I'm wrong no it doesn't mean that Meekness is strength under control. you can forgive. And it doesn't mean that you take the salt, you take the side of being wrong or, or right. You, you you realize that it, it goes beyond being right and being wrong. It's just yeah. the ability, the strength that I have as a man or a woman of God to be able to forgive. And say, so you know what? I forgive you. And I'm not gonna walk away with this, well, I'm on top of the world now. I showed him how good I am. It means no, it's above that. It means that I'm still a strong person, but I've got enough control over my spirit. That I can forgive. Yeah. amen. That I can say, you know what, I forgive you. Amen. In fact, I've already forgiven you and I've already just moved on from that. Let's go have coffee. Let's go get together. Whatever it would be. But it is the it gives you the ability to forgive. We have been the recipient of forgiveness. Yeah. Many times in our life. And here the Lord is instructing us to be quick to forgive in a spirit of meekness. If at ever you reach a point in your life where you say it's hard to forgive that person, I want you to go back and look at yourself in the mirror at home and remember all the things you've done in your life that God has forgiven you for. You say, I can't forgive that man or that woman for the things they did to me. I want you to go home and look in the mirror and remember all the sins you've committed and all the times God's forgiven you. Amen. I, I have a, I have an obligation yeah. to forgive because God has forgiven me. Yes, amen. Over, and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And every time I come back to the, the, the place of prayer. Uh, and I'm asking the Lord to search my heart. And God says, ah, what about this area of your life? Oh God, forgive me for that. Cleanse me, God. Help me to be better next time to move forward. And God helps us and God forgives us. And God has continued to forgive us for our trespasses. Meekness also will help us to restore brethren and sisters that have fallen from grace. Helps us to restore fallen brethren. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1 says, If a man, brethren, if a man be overtaken in any fault, ye which are spiritual. In other words, you got the responsibility here. There's a, uh, a... Couple of words that a individual wrote a book about. It's called extreme ownership. Extreme ownership is the idea is taking ownership of every area of your life and stop relegating it to somebody else. They've got an obligation to do this and they've got an obligation to that. And boy, if they would have done this, things would have been different. If they would have done that instead. Saying, you know what? I have ownership over my life. Uh, there, there's, It's taking extreme ownership and saying, I have the responsibility to own up to things and to take responsibility for my actions and my behavior, to move forward. In other words, I'm not going to allow something that somebody did to me to make me bitter and to cause me to lose my yes. walk with the Lord. I'm going to say, you know what? I have the responsibility before the Lord to, to live holy, to live pure, and to make it to the to Ownership over my life. Come on, good Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But do it in the spirit of meekness. Amen. Strength under control. Strength under control. Many folks have been lost because nobody reached out in a spirit of meekness after they sinned. Right. Right. Many people have been lost because. No one reached out to them in a spirit of meekness to restore them after they sinned. A particular preacher of another generation, F.B. Meyer, said a a very insightful statement about this verse that we read. He said, when we see a brother or a sister in sin, there are two things that we do not know. First, we do not know how hard they try not to sin. And second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed them. We also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstances. Right. All right. It's easy to, to look at preachers and say, uh, man, they're falling like left and right. And, and I you can discredit the ministry. And you can look at preachers and say, well, man, that person fell from grace and they're no longer living for God. If they won't live for God, then I'm not living for God. Instead of understanding, you know what? They were a target, that, and they had a target on their back, and, and the enemy worked on them night an and day, and, and he came after them, and, and they, they they lived for God for many years, many decades. Uh, but you don't know that the forces of, of hell that assailed them, and it's our responsibility Come on, to seek to restore people in the spirit of meekness. Amen. Good preaching. Never let it be said that we condemn struggling people. Because we weren't willing to be gentle in our approach to them. Never let it be said that we condemn struggling people. Because we weren't willing to be gentle in our approach to them. Hear me today. There are so many people that leave, that walk away from God. And and nobody reaches out to them. Or people do reach out to them and they condemn them. But as a church here, we could have an understanding. And someone's struggling, we don't talk about them We reach out to them. We love them and we pray for them. Because if that person continues on that course of going away from God. One day in the middle of their sin. And and when they reach rock bottom. They're going to look back. And they're going to say can I go back to Abundant Life Center? Will they accept me? Will they help me? Or are they going to remember and talk about the sin that I struggle with when I left the church? May they look back with the fondness and say, I know I can always go back to the father's house because there's people right. that are seeking to see me restored, And they're going to be happy and excited and thrilled to see me back in church. God, Meekness God. unifies and it does not divide. Genesis chapter 13 and verse number seven says, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left, then I'll go to the right. If thou depart to the right, then I'll go to the left. But Abram responded with meekness. When an opportunity to be angry occurred, every one of us is going to have an opportunity to be angry at somebody for something that other person did wrong to you or to, to somebody else. But meekness, the spirit of God says, you know what? I'm going to show some control, some restraint over my spirit. And Abram realized that if an angry, superior attitude would arise in his heart, it would cause a rift in his relationship with Lot. And Abram said, I don't want to have there to be, I don't want there to be a rift in our relationship. I want there to be unity and harmony in our relationship in our church. So what if somebody's having an argument or disagreement? Let's work to keep the unity in the body of Christ. Yes. All right. Let's work to keep the unity and meekness as strength under control will help bridge a world of trouble. Amen. That's right. Had he not responded in meekness, it could well have been possible that Lot never had that Lot would never have been persuaded to leave Sodom. Come on. Had Abram not exerted self-control and meekness in his relationship with Lot, one day Lot would find himself in Sodom and would never be willing to leave that place because of a nasty attitude showed to him by somebody that he viewed as a man of God in his life or as a Christian, a child of God. What people do we push away from God? Because we don't learn to have meekness. And gentleness and strength under control in our lives. Praise God. Meekness will seek to stay unified with everybody for the sake of the present and future benefit. And one final thing, meekness brings perspective. James chapter 5 and verse number 11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We have often heard of the patience of Job. It is also important to realize the humble attitude that Job portrayed during his trial. During his, that struggle that he went through. Even though for a short time he questioned God in his frustration. But ultimately he came to realize that God had not forsaken him. And that God would see him through. Had Job become arrogant and rebellious. He would have died a miserable death. But he kept the right spirit. Yes. He stayed gentle and meek before the Lord. Yes. And when meekness is an integral part of our spirit, it brings perspective to our trials and to the cares of life. Amen. Meekness, the strength under control through the Spirit of God, will give you proper perspective through your trials and through your storms yes. Yes. and through the cares of life because you do not allow yourself to be elevated with anger and spite and emotion but you say I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to give me control that I can think clearly and I can still have the right perspective and view things the right way the Lord views things I have to have that strength under control and I close with this final few words this morning Consider for a moment if you had been Jesus, and this particular scenario happened to you: one of your inner circle of followers or one of your closest friends just sold you out for thirty pieces of silver. Come on, come on. It would be the equivalent, probably. Let's say me and my brother, we're really close. And if one day I found out my brother sold me out for twenty dollars. You little, and you would follow all kinds of words. Or vice versa, how he would feel about me. If I sold him out for 15 bucks, he's thinking, $15. You little, and blah, 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 blah. We're to fill the blanks again. He comes to you in the moment of your most agonizing surrender. This person who sells you out and gives you a kiss on the cheek. You dirty and blah 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 blah. <laughs> what would you do? Come on, brother. Come on. Someone that you was with, and then you you was boys, you was you was girls, friends, whatever you want to say. You were friends for three and a half years, and at the end of the road, uh, they sell you out for fifteen dollars, and they give you a kiss on the cheek as they walking away, stabbing you in the back. What in the world? None of this did anything. Your human nature would want to respond in anger and retaliation. And it's not that Jesus wasn't capable. He was very capable of responding. The same man that cursed the tree and caused it to wither in a matter of seconds. Right. The same man that could call a legion of angels onto the scene. Right. Showed some strength under control. Amen. Because Jesus was hoping and praying, even though you betrayed me, I want to create a path for you to come back to me. Even though you wronged me and you did me dirty, there's still a way for you to come back. And Jesus did not respond with, you dirty dog, and, and blah, 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 blah. But he called him friend. Right? He did. Friend. And I'm sure his heart was tearing in two as he called him friend. As if to add insult to injury, another follower manifesting righteous indignation. Peter draws a sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers who's come to arrest Jesus. And it's not that Jesus doesn't feel the emotion of the moment, but that meek and that gentle spirit of Christ dem- demanded self-control in this particular scenario. Right. Jesus is looking around and saying, Judas! Really? Peter! That's not how we do things. I've been here with you for three and a half years and you're going to cut this guy's ear off. He didn't yell at Peter. He didn't even look at Peter. He didn't rebuke Judas. He said, friend. And to the man that uh, Peter cut off the ear of the soldier, Jesus went and grabbed the ear on the ground. Gross as that sounds. Put it back on his head. Amen. healed it. Probably no scars. I don't know. He showed control. Instead of vilifying and condemning Judas, he calls him friend. He does not rant and rave at Peter or tell the soldier that it serves him right instead he reaches down to the dirt and picks up the bloody ear with a gentle hand he places it back on the side of the soldier's head and here in a garden of betrayal a final earthly miracle takes place the greatest miracle however was not the healing of the ear but the greatest miracle is that even in the final moments of his life he was still teaching by example because he knew the day would come when his disciples would face their own accusers and he looked ahead in time and he says I want you to see what I'm doing right now because one day you're going to experience the same thing some of you are going to be cut in half others are going to be crucified upside down others are going to be boiled in water and you've got to know how to respond when all of hell comes against you he knew that they would be tempted to respond according to their flesh. He also knew the choice would be theirs. On that moment. But by a spirit of meekness. He was teaching them. That when their moment came. And when your moment comes. Let meekness be their, your strongest response. Amen. When your moment comes. Thank God, but someone it. does you dirty. And they slap you in the face. Come on. God help me. Help me to show control in my life. Amen, brother. Help me, God, that through my meekness and my gentle spirit, I could perhaps win that person to God. Yes, amen. And I would have the forgiving spirit that says, I'll not just forgive you, but if you come to an altar, I'll pray with you. Even though you did me dirty, you sold me out, you, you called me names and on and on down the line. I want to see this person saved yes. that's the ultimate goal why don't we stand to our feet in this place and could we as we close this teaching session now just oh, stretch a, a hand to heaven oh, you, lord. <laughs> and could we talk to the lord for a few moments here this morning god we're praying here this morning god that you would help us in this place lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us, God, that spirit of meekness in our heart of hearts today. I pray today, Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost, God, that you would help us to get full of the Holy Ghost, to be full of the Spirit of God. Help us, God, to be an example, to be a testimony to our world around us that they could see you inside of us, God. And may we ever blaze a trail for that person to come back to God. May we always leave an open door for somebody to make their way back to you. Help us, God, in the name of Jesus today.